It's philosophy talk. Coach. Yes, Frank? Where do I go? Proceed to the hub. Machine learning algorithms are all around us these days. They're being used for everything from movie recommendations to sentencing in criminal courts. But can algorithms really be objective when they're created by human programmers? I guess I just don't see the point in something that short. It's 12 hours. Even your reaction to a brief encounter provides a system with valuable information. Oh, I don't even do anything. The system thinks I'm a prude. The system makes no moral judgments. Machine learning algorithms pick up the biases of society. Would you trust your life, your fortune, your child to an algorithm? And it always finds your perfect match. In 99.8% of cases. I have to go through loads of relationships to find it. That is correct. Our guest is Angèle Christin from Stanford University. The morality of algorithms coming up on Philosophy Talk. Would you be willing to trust your life to an algorithm? Well, aren't computers less prone to bias than human beings? Do we really want to turn over our moral agency to software? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ken teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. And today, we're thinking about the ethics of algorithms. Ethics of algorithms? That, isn't that a contradiction in terms, Ken? No, why would you say that, Josh? Well, algorithms aren't moral agents. And yet, in spite of that, we seem to be turning over morally fraught decisions uh, over to them. It's just an alarming rate. <laughs> alarming? Really? I mean, we can put computers in charge of air traffic control a long time ago, and that made air travel safer for everybody. There's nothing alarming about that. Yeah, okay, but all that software had to do was keep the planes far enough apart so they wouldn't bump into each other. Give me something more challenging. Okay, take the new frontier of this stuff. Self-driving cars. I mean, all those crowded city streets with cars and pedestrians and cyclists traveling every which way. Uh, yeah, and in much closer proximity to each other than planes ever get. What about that example? Well, that's a good example for me? I mean, do you really want computers to decide when your car should swerve to avoid a pedestrian, maybe killing you or your passenger? Well, well Josh, I got to tell you, it doesn't really matter what I want. It doesn't really matter what you want because the day is coming, dude, and it's coming fast. Too fast, if you ask me. I mean, look, computers are already in almost complete control of the stock market. They are gradually taking over medical diagnosis, and, and some people even want to turn sentencing decisions over to them. It's out of control. Out of control? Josh, come on. Why on earth would you trust a fallible human judge over a well-programmed computer? I mean, have you seen the mess that judges have made of sentencing decisions? Well, at least judges are living, breathing human beings with a sense of duty and responsibility and empathy. Yeah, and racial biases and hidden political agendas and overblown emotional reactions. Josh, look, with a computer, you just encode the sentencing guidelines that, you know, we decided to put into the law. You encode those into your algorithm and 
then you set back, and the computer will decide without fear or favoritism. That's vastly superior to a judge. <sighs> okay, but who's going to program those computers to play judge? Well, human beings, of course. Oh, the, the same human beings with those racial biases and hidden agendas? Oh, I was talking about the judges. I wasn't talking about the programmers. Oh, so so programmers are less biased than judges all of a sudden, right? So they're, they're like Mr. Spock, all green blood, no emotion. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, programmers, although some of them may seem like it, they're not Vulcans. <laughs> they're humans, too. But, but my point is that we can train them not to write their biases into their algorithms. But how? I mean, most of us aren't even aware of our biases. Well, even if we're not, at least we can test and debug and tweak the programs. Josh, you can't rewrite a judge's neural code when you discover that the dude's got this thing against black people. So look, give me the computer over the judge any day of the week. I just think it's harder than you imagine to get our biases out of these algorithms. I mean, uh, consider the, the machine learning algorithms that are all the rage these days. Yeah, they are all the rage. You got something against machine learning? Josh? Well, the, you know, the problem is that you don't any more program every single line of code, right? Like they used to in yeah. the old days. Instead, you, you basically give the computer a problem and, and let it figure out how to solve it on its own. It's a beautiful technique. It's a really powerful technique, making all kinds of advances. What's your problem? Oh, my problem is this. Let's say you, you got a bunch of tech bros in Silicon Valley, and they pick their friends to be the training sample. You could be darn sure they won't be representative of the population <laughs> yeah, at okay, look, 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 I've got no brief for tech bro culture, but <laughs> look, you just have to make sure to use statistically sound methods to design your training sets for these things. We know how to do that. We know how, we know how to do good statistics. Yeah, but it doesn't end there, Ken. I mean, look, think about it this way. Machine learning algorithms are also often black boxes. They're inscrutable. You, you, you can't see what's going on in there. And that means that if something goes wrong, you can't get in there, like you were saying we should, to, to tweak and debug, right? I mean, look, I was no huge fan of old-fashioned AI, but at least you knew what the software was doing. So, so Josh, let, let me get this straight, okay? You really long for the days when humans were in charge of all these decisions. If you can't have those days, you'll take the good old-fashioned AI programs from, what, 30 years ago or something. But the last thing you want to deal with is the newfangled machine learning uh, algorithms taking over. i got to tell you something, Josh. You sound a little like a Luddite, my friend. No, no, no. Look, I think technology is wonderful. I... I'm just not in a hurry to farm our moral agency out to machines. Well, look, whether you want it or not, whether I want it or not, it's happening, Josh. Courtrooms around the country, for example, are turning to computers for advice on who should stay behind bars while awaiting trial. And so we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to see the process up close. She files this report. That'll be your next court date, sir, tomorrow morning. Judge Ross Moody is inside a San Francisco courtroom, robed up for an afternoon of bail hearings. First to take the stand is a man charged with carrying a loaded gun in public. The defense attorney argues that the defendant has a stable job and always makes his court dates. So I'm asking that he be given an opportunity to be released while this case is pending. The prosecutor argues the man only showed up because what other option did he have? The suspect was already in jail at the time. He says he went on to commit another crime once released. And the fact that he was again walking with a loaded firearm with an extended magazine um, is, uh, shows he's a serious threat to public safety. Judge Moody has three options. Detain the defendant until trial, let the defendant go free until then, 
or ask that he pay a big chunk of cash for his freedom. But before Judge Moody decides, he looks at a recommendation from an algorithm. The one this court uses bases its recommendations on the case histories of more than 1.5 million people, taking into account the person's age, criminal history, and record of showing up in court. The algorithm, also called a public safety assessment, says, let the man go. This is one of those cases where I disagree very strongly with public safety assessment. I think that the public safety threat is self-evident. So I'm not going to follow the PSA today. I'm going to follow the recommendation of the prosecutor. I'm going to set bail at $150,000 on the open felony. So we're not turning courtroom decisions over to algorithms just yet. San Francisco District Attorney George Gascone introduced this tool to the city's courtrooms in 2016. He wanted to bring more fairness to money bail decisions. One of the concerns that I have with money bail is it really creates two systems. It creates a system for the people that can't afford to post bail and a system for those that cannot. Even with help from a computer, judges ultimately decide who to release before trial. A defendant's shot at freedom depends on who is on the bench. According to research, female judges and Democrats are more lenient. Another study shows judges are more forgiving after snack breaks. Gascon has faith in the consistency of algorithms. The reality is that you have a system that has, uh, has developed a body of knowledge that is way superior to what a human being will ever be able to do. But not everyone trusts the machines. In July 2018, more than 100 civil rights groups signed a paper expressing concern the algorithm is biased. San Francisco's algorithm, designed by a nonprofit called the Laura and John Arnold Foundation, weighs a defendant's criminal history. San Francisco public defender Chase Boudin is worried about how the algorithm calculates risk. Someone who's been stopped by the police numerous times because of the color of their skin. Someone who's pled guilty to previous crimes because they were too poor to bail out. In other words, the exact people that the Arnold Foundation seeks to protect by implementing this new tool are prejudiced because of the built-in legacy of prejudice and racism in our criminal justice system. So do we trust the humans or the computers? Shard Goyle is a professor of engineering at Stanford who studies algorithms. He and his researchers found that risk assessment tools are more likely to be accurate at predicting risk than the people are. But he says humans can see nuances that computers can't. When a defendant comes to court, they expect that their particular individual story will be heard and a decision will be made on the basis of that. More broadly, Goyle says that though algorithms can be helpful guides, they can't completely fix disparities in the criminal justice system. My worry is that people will strictly use algorithms and not consider broader policy fixes. For example, eliminating money bail in entirety. States like New Jersey already have. Since eliminating the money bail system, that state's jail population has dropped dramatically. People in the bail industry, like reality TV star Dog the Bounty Hunter, have since sued the state over bail reform. In those cases, the judge has ruled on New Jersey's side. But the judge is human. Next time, maybe try asking a machine. I just want my guy right now. I just want somebody that's wanted. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. To hear the rest of this program, head over to philosophytalk.org. Thank you for listening. And thank you for thinking.